Welcome to another edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Bubba, these are some of my, some of my favorites. When we, we get a chance to just look into the life of people that have had a relationship with the show, we, we have a history with, and a lot of times, though, the, the audience that's been with us for a long time, and I think even for those of you that may be new, you're going you're gonna to definitely find this interesting, uh, they don't quite know the backstory on some of the people, their, their life, their story, and, and today... It'll be another opportunity for us to introduce you to the life and times of one of our dear friends. Yeah, you've heard him on the show quite a bit. He's uh, on our big year-ender every year and referenced on the show quite a bit. The one and only Kevin Derriberry. Kevin, Kevin yeah. welcome. What up, buddy? Good, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. How y'all doing? Well, you know, you have so many connections to the show. As a matter of fact, Kevin Derriberry is in the Rick and Bubba Dictionary. Uh, <laughs> pulling a Derriberry. Yeah, it's actually a word that, yeah. that is a verb. Uh, it's called uh, pulling a dairyberry. Yes, I, uh, one of my proud, you know, memories in life is acquiring that name, earning that name. Yeah, you know? and and that's uh, pulling a dairyberry. If you've never seen the Rick and Bubba dictionary, it's rickandbubba.com. Um, that's when you get people excited about something that they can't have. Right, that's unavailable. Mm-hmm. You, right. you fire them up with, in Kevin's case, a song. Yeah. and then tell them they can't have a copy. Yeah, and uh, you know, and, he, and it was such a, a moving song. We had truck drivers crying. Begging to get the song, Kevin's like, "Yeah, well, it's not available yet." And uh, so then that was called pulling a dairyberry. And then he has a Christmas song every year that everybody loves. His version of "Away in a Manger." He made sure you can't find it either. Right. Either. So it's hidden. On Kevin, it's quite a marketing plan you yeah, got there. Yeah, what, what? Well, you know, you don't want to get rich. You don't want to be greedy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I remember on "Away in a Manger," you and I have a conversation, and I'm like, Kevin, why can't we? Why don't you just list it as a track on this CD? I don't want anybody to think it's a Christmas CD. <laughs> yeah, and and I, and I was yeah. like, well, we won't if you have the you know eleven other songs. Yeah, well, you know, that's I just that was my marketing. You know, <laughs> I don't want to confuse anybody. Well, right? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> right. Well, you you didn't. You <laughs> that, made it crystal that, clear they uh, can't have it. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. So for, as you pick up, but they quick, bomb us about. it. I know. They, yeah. and they wear us well, you, out in email you, like it's our fault. You leave but. a smoke bomb. You leave the room, and we're in the smoke. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. Yeah. Well, you probably picked Thank up pretty. You, Kevin. you probably yeah. picked up pretty quick. Uh, if you don't know the story of Kevin Derryberry, uh, his story features music. Uh, Kevin, uh, of course, is a singer-songwriter, uh, and uh, and if you only know him for what he's doing now, uh, we're all thankful for that. But but you, you've got an incredible story that I think people can relate to, can benefit from. So let's let's go back. Let's go back to Kevin Derryberry's story. Uh, you know, by the time you were in, in your late teens, you were already interested in music, obviously. This is something – is this something that was immediate in your life? If you're already doing it in your teens, it must have been pretty quick. Yeah, I loved music. I, I loved, like, the Beatles when they came along, all that. You know, you've heard this story, heard this story a million times from people, the inspiration that they have. <clears throat> and I just um, – you know – on Sunday mornings when my parents would take me to church, they would go do what they had to do, and I'd go find a room that had a piano in it, and I'd just bang on it. And it was it was noise back then, and finally my parents said, do you want to take music lessons? And I said, yeah, I want to play music. That's what I want to do, period, forever. And uh, it was like there was nothing else. There wasn't a plan B, you know? <laughs> and I loved it. Um I probably wasn't very good at the time. That's why they asked me if I wanted lessons. Sure. <laughs> and uh, ended up uh, getting some lessons and basically kicked out of uh, piano lessons because I was 
I didn't learn like most people. Yeah. So when you say that, were you were you like an active kid and and that sitting there and the grind of it, or were you kind of like, now I got this. This is the way I want to learn it. Did you want to learn it your way? And the teacher said, No, you got to learn it my way. Well, I, I had to learn it my way because I didn't understand their way. Okay. Yeah. So, so what and, what do you mean by that? Explain I, that to so some yeah. of us that didn't understand music. Well, I could hear it all. Yeah, I could hear the music and I would pick it out and play it, but I could. You know, reading the notes and the dots and stuff just kind of confused me. I, it always has, and I still look at it today. And people that can do that, I, I'm amazed. Um, so you can't read music? I can't. You wait, play whoa, wait a minute. I thought this might have been a struggle to begin with. It's never happened for you? Uh, I can read a chord chart. Okay. That's it, you know. I don't read notes. Uh, but you, you, you sorry to know disappoint the, y'all. You, you wouldn't know the difference in a whole note, a half. Oh note, well, a I do know note. that. That's that's beats. Right. You know, yeah. it's and I know what the note is, but to sit there and say G L, I can do that. Right. But as far as go through there and play it mm-hmm. while I'm reading it in time, it, there's you know. So you no, got to know the song when you play it. You, nobody can throw something in front of you and say play this. No. Uh-uh. Okay. All right, That's so, why I had to write music, right? Well, <laughs> which helped me in my creativity. Yeah, the first bands I was in, we wrote music because we weren't good enough to do covers. Yeah, uh, yeah. But anyway, so but let's let's talk about. So you were raised in the church, and that's important to note now. Yes, yes. So you you were raised in the church, but and then you kind of were drawn uh, to secular music. Yes. Uh, even though you sang in the choir and and did all that, I'm sure mm-hmm. you were involved in that. Yep. And you knew you had a love for music. And and you started getting involved in bands, what really young? Uh, you know, when I uh, we had a neighborhood band, a garage band, when I was probably seven, eight years old. You know, seven, eight years old. Yeah, <laughs> you had a, a garage. I had a garage band, band when I was like a, a junior, senior in high school. Seven, eight. Yeah, I remember a friend of mine, Guy Albrook. He had uh, a keyboard, and I had some drums. And I wanted to play keyboard. He wanted to play drums. So we swapped up. And his brother was in a band called the 14 Feet of Soul. They were, <laughs> they were seven guys out of Tuscaloosa. And uh, one day they, they did a New Year's Eve event at Craig Air Force Base NCO Club. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they let us open up for them. It's kind of like, you know, not open, but play during their intermission. Mm-hmm. And it was more or less for the comedy effect or I don't know what it was for, but they did, <laughs> but it was the biggest gig of our life. Oh, yeah. and, and, uh, so we, uh, that's when I was like, okay, this is it, baby. This is it. I'm on my way. <clears throat> yeah. The PTO clubs we play, you know, all that. And, so uh, what songs were you playing in covers? Oh, I had to write our own. Yeah. Songs. I was about to say, Cause you, you probably, you, you couldn't really do covers. We had, we had songs like I'm going to the army. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Kevin, how did that go? Did you, did you I could tell you. That yeah. Hey, I'm going to the army, the army. And you would just hear uh, something to go with that in your head, and y'all would riff. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, oh, we yeah. we get we get down. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so so you you go from that. Obviously, now you're starting to get into probably some serious outfits by the time you're in a teenager. And yeah. we're going to work our way to tell you, Rob. But you that you you you're in some other bands down in the southern part of Alabama before you, this Telluride opportunity comes up, right? Yeah, we, you know, as I grew, I got in uh, other bands in high school and junior high school, uh, winning, you know, talent contests and stuff like that. Can you like give that. us some of the names of the band? Uh, let's see. Zipper. 
the Blue Americans. Um, golly. The Blue Americans. Yeah. You were trying to do the Blue Man thing before. It, it, <laughs> yeah. You could have had a Vegas gig. Uh, golly, Hostage. Hostage. That's a good name. That, 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 you that's know. a pretty good one. And let's see. What um, Toulouse. Okay. You may have heard of Toulouse, Fort Toulouse. Yeah. Okay. That was a band out of Wetumpka, of course. <laughs> okay. Of course. And, you know, um, uh, golly. I didn't realize you were in that many. So yeah. these were just different things that would pop up and you'd work with for a little and while. When I was, when I was uh, 19, I just, I just graduated, and I was working at a tele- television station in Selma, and a band came through. It was really wasn't a band. It was just a couple of guys that wanted to jam. And somebody called me and said, hey, there's some guys at this high school that want to jam. And so I went, and there was these two guitar players and a bass player, and they were big Allman Brothers freaks. They had like 57 Les Pauls and stuff like that. They had the gear. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> and uh, they said, hey, you want to move to Mobile and join our band? I said, yes, I do. So I went home, told my parents I'm quitting my job How'd at the TV go? station. Well, they just prayed, you know. They prayed hard. How did how the band go, or how? Did no, no, <laughs> that 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 conversation. Now, what with station your, were you at? Yeah, too, you're working I, at radio. WSLA TV channel channel eight. So, what were you doing there? I was. I did everything. I was switching mm. uh, cameraman. Uh, I mean, putting on the reel to reel videotapes, oh, yeah, the big that. old giant reel, yeah. you know, with, with the seven-second rolls and yeah. the ten-second yeah. rolls and yeah, the changing the slide yeah. drums, yeah. reading the copy, you know, all yeah. that. You know, I, I had a show that I ran on Sunday mornings called The Soul of Selma. <laughs> and uh, it was like uh, black gospel groups would come in. Yeah. And that was cool. That yeah. was really cool. And I, I ran the show. They, act, they actually wanted to give me a show where I would bring in talent and stuff. And I said, no, I'm moving to Mobile. So you leave that job. You tell your parents. They pray. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yes. They pray. And then you leave for the first time with a band and go full time. Uh, well, yeah, I would say full time in that I moved to Mobile. I think we played two gigs in six months. And uh, <laughs> <clears throat> I learned a lot. Yeah, you did. I learned. I experienced a lot. And, and uh, it ended up kind of tragic because i had to call my parents and say please come get me <laughs> yeah so, so you can't so, you can't make you can't make a living you, at two gigs in six months you, your parents no. i guess because you emphasized they were praying for you yeah. were, was not favorable to this decision they didn't try to talk me out of it because mm-hmm. they probably knew they couldn't right and uh then i ended up living off 50 cents a day eating beans uh at a place called the ebony social club you walk up to this cinder block wall there's a hole in it you look in there you can't see nothing but you just say i'd like some beans of cornbread please (laughs) and there's a cup of beans come out and a piece of cornbread and you'd have hand them your 50 cents and you go eat that that, i mean literally it was it was it got bad yeah and that your love of music was tested then because when you when you can't eat you know suddenly that becomes more important (laughs) starving artists took on a whole new meaning to you didn't it was it was it was i mean a lot of Think really bad things could have happened, but I think God was protecting me. Well, your parents are praying. Yeah, you. no doubt about it. And, and they came and got me. Yep. And uh, did they give you "I told you so" or just no? Yeah. They, uh, you know, they just they were just thankful that it yeah. wasn't worse than it was. And then you know, my dad found me a job at a glass factory, and and I was like working and playing at night in a band called, the band called Hostage, and then I traveled over to. We Tumpka in Montgomery to join another band over there. That was Toulouse, 
My mother actually got me that that job. She met some guys at <laughs> at, at college. She went to um, <laughs> Auburn University in Montgomery. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and she met a guy that had a band. She said, and she thought he was a real nice guy. <laughs> that you know, my son needs to be around this guy. Yeah. So you know, she sent me over there, um, and I tried out, and I I entered that band, which led to another band, which led to a band. Uh, that played in Auburn, you know, a really, really good band. We played a lot of gigs. Now, what's the name of it? Zipper. That's when Zipper came in. I mean, it was, it was a lot of Auburn University students and me, you know, the high school barely get out. Right. Um, <laughs> and during that time, Telluride had formed. Yeah. And, uh, and they were going around, and um, they actually were going full-time and they had a meeting where everybody came and met, and they said, okay, we're going full-time. Everybody quit your day job. This is all we're going to do. And everybody quit their day job except the keyboard player. All right, so let's talk about that. We come back. Uh, we'll, we'll get into the next phase of Kevin's life, and that is the band Telluride. Uh, the meeting has happened. The keyboard player said he's not going to go full-time. Yep. I have a feeling that opened the door for another guy that plays keyboards. Uh, and we'll come back and we'll talk about that when Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, continues. So let's talk about Tommy John. Uh, Bubba, it's happened every week. Uh, the last time we did talked about Tommy John, you and I had to say we have them on right now. That's right. And, and we today, love them. And today, love them. today's the case again. Look, I know a lot of times with dudes we think about, you know, underwear. But, but look, when you put on your pair of Tommy Johns, you're going to see that somebody took the time to actually think about what would be what, – what are some things you could do with men's underwear that would make them more comfortable? And, and Tommy John's hammock pouch underwear, I mean – Speaks for itself. Uh, it speaks for itself. I mean, there's a hammock pouch, and uh, you know what? The way God made us, we need one. Uh, and there's also other comfort innovations, dozens of them. And once you put on Tommy John underwear, you will never go back. As a matter of fact, the air mesh inter- interior hammock we just talked about, the moisture-wicking fabric, four times the stretch. You know, when if you put them on, sometimes maybe you, you, they need to stretch a little bit, you know, and some of us maybe have put on a little weight or something. The legs never ride up. I sure was thankful for that. Uh, and they come with the non-rolling waistband for the perfect fit. So if, if there's 17 million pairs sold, men across America love their Tommy John underwear, and just like we love wearing. I mean, you will too, and we're going to get you 20% off your first order right now at TommyJohn.com slash Rick Bubba. By the way, it does matter that you're going to notice this difference. Go to TommyJohn.com slash Rick Bubba today for 20% off. That's TommyJohn.com slash Rick Bubba. See the site for all the details. You know, we like we don't want to think about underwear, so once you get these, you don't have to. Amen. That's the good news. Amen. Move on to other things. Welcome back to Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Uh, Kevin Derryberry is our guest. All right, so when, when we when we took the break, uh, Telluride is deciding they're going to go full-time. By the way, I've always wondered, is, does the name come from Colorado, the, the yes. place in Colorado? <clears throat> yeah, it uh, actually means to hell you ride because uh, right. uh, Telluride, the city, was – is surrounded by a big bunch of mountains, and if you lived on one side of the mountains, you had to go all the way around and go through Lizard Head Pass Ooh. to Telluride. So, how about that? So uh, it, 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 did somebody go there, and 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 how does a band that comes out of Alabama name well, somebody, Telluride? Yeah, somebody the band knew had gone there and told them about. <laughs> it. <laughs> so the meeting takes place, and they want to go full time, and and this door opens for you. Yeah, uh, we. 
the guy that was supposed to play keyboards, he showed up at the meet and said, I didn't quit my job. You know, I can't do it. You know, he was like unwilling. <laughs> and so um, the next time I had seen him several times. And so the next time I saw him, they were without their keyboard player. And that was in Auburn. And I, you know, I kind of asked, I say, look, you know, I, my job at the glass factory had come to an end because my boss said, hey, look, you know, having a planet, a plant cut back, you could either go back on the line or that I was in quality control. And I, you know, I didn't mm-hmm. want to go back to the line. He said, or take your unemployment and go find a band. Cause that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he knew. Like, well, he knew. So yeah. basically, basically at this point, you're kicking glass. <laughs> yeah, kicking. Yeah, I am. Uh, yeah, I was actually breaking glass because I was <laughs> testing it. It was fun, uh, but you know, and traveling to Montgomery, Auburn, and all these things, you know, during the week, and then coming back and working, yeah. my boss kind of went, "Man, just go get a band." Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, that was cool. Uh, so I had unemployment for so many weeks, so I could kind of search it all out, you know. And I joined Telluride. I, I asked uh, the guys in Telluride, did they want a keyboard player? They said, yeah. And they already knew me. And so I went to came to Birmingham, and we all lived in one apartment. We made 90 bucks a piece a week. And, um, you know, actually I would try it out for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And at the, by the end of my unemployment they said you're hired and and you know that's where it all began so let's talk about you the person during this time so obviously you were raised in the church at at what point did you start uh, i mean were you starting to live the life of of the full-time band guy with with alcohol and 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 what, what was happening to your life from a spiritual standpoint well early on like you know when i was 14 and 15 i began to experiment with drugs and alcohol. Uh, there were a few times in my life when, you know, a, an evangelist would come to town and I'd go down the aisle and repent and, mm-hmm. you know, stray again. You know, mm-hmm. um, i try to get my life right, but, you know, the lure of the things of the world and the, my desires were too strong um, to, uh, and I didn't do the right things to stay in church and in Christ. I didn't read my Bible, you know. So, you know, I was living that life already, that rock and roll life. Right. I mean, we, before you ever got into this, and now you're yeah. you're going to have the ability to go do this full time. Yeah. And you probably were not in a position that this wasn't going to get worse. Oh, because, yeah, yeah. It was. It was. It was a uh, full time. Right. You know. Yeah. Uh, but it brings full time problems too. Yes, and the full time. By that I mean, I was exposed to it full-time like when i went to work absolutely there it was absolutely you know uh when i went to work there were the drug dealers with all the drugs hey try this try this try this now buy this buy this buy this yeah you know that kind of thing uh my biggest thing was alcohol but i did it all um just uh i don't know it was it was fun i thought you know you know fun sin is fun for a season yeah you know but uh we you know it didn't get real bad Early on, because you know we were working so hard, yeah. you know we we worked trying hard. to make it. Didn't we, have the money, probably, and that too. Um, and you know we were we were just scraping by uh, when I wrote Birmingham tonight. That changed a lot of things. Yeah, I remember when that happened because now you know I, I'd become a fan of, of you guys, and of course we were in Greg and I were in bands. We were and we looked at you guys like 
that's what we're trying to get to. We want to we want to be full time. We want to have our own truck, not have to rent trucks mm-hmm. and have our own gear and have our you know and all. Was that, that a real marker when you had your oh, own yeah. truck oh, with yeah. your own yeah. logo on it? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, when you got your logo on the truck, <laughs> hey, <laughs> let me tell you. And, and then when you all of a sudden you had roadies, yeah, that people that yeah. would oh, tote yeah. your equipment in, yeah. and, and and that's when it got bad because then you got too you, much time now. Oh yeah, you, as soon as you finish you. Your, your party and, and your road crews. Well, you don't have to get over to the club as, as quick either. Uh-uh. You know, you just start working because you, you say, well, just come over for sound check. Yeah. And um, so I saw you guys, and I remember here in Birmingham tonight and thinking, man, that is just the coolest. I remember looking at Kevin going, man, look, he's so cool. <laughs> and, uh, and and really, I did. I, we loved you guys and, uh, and thought you were great. And then, you know, you started coming to town when you would play, you know, where we were on at Jacksonville State University. You and and Rick Carter would come over to ninety two J, where I was, you know, of course doing, you know, the the, the, the all request show, which everybody <laughs> would enough. And I would interview you guys and get everybody to come out to see you, you yeah. know, and and so that's when I kind of started hanging out with y'all every time y'all were in town. I know, yeah, I know. I, you still owe me for all that beer you drank in our dressing room. <laughs> I know, because you know the band has has that. They had the Miller beer, right? Mm-hmm. They had that that sponsorship, so. That that was not an issue in well, the Well, I was a much more passive fan, Kevin. I, I did have to pass Brothers Bar on the way to high school every day. Yeah. So, you know, you, you were used to seeing the, the buses and the vehicles out there and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you saw you when, saw the Telluride truck. Yeah, and when, you know, of course, Birmingham tonight, and you think, uh, well, that's a cool song it. about a city in our state. So. Yeah, and the fact that it was, you know. So tell, tell me, because I remember this, and see if you remember this. So Bubba and I were, you know, I was, of course, a fan of, of the band scene because I was trying to do that, too. We both were fans of radio. And in Birmingham, Alabama, there was no cooler station than I-95. Right. Mm-hmm. I-95 was it. You, yeah. know, you had Mark and Brian, and you had Mr. Madison, and you had all these, you know, these, these personalities. And I start hearing the story that you guys were about to leave and were about to do, cut, cut a big deal. And they were sending y'all off what to some island or something. What 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 was that? Because I, I remember y'all being on I ninety five, and everybody said, "Hey, <clears throat> tell you ride has made it." And and you guys hit Birmingham tonight. Then you followed up with, "If it's all right, yeah, let, let me, me in, in, let me in tonight." I wrote that one too. Yeah, yeah. And th- and these were great songs, and and it looked like it was about to happen for Tell You Ride. Yeah, um, we uh, that that Cayman Island thing. That was a guy. You remember Nicky Hopkins? He played keyboard for Rolling Stones and like Rod Stewart, the Beatles, everybody, you know, he was just a big session guy. And, uh, he got involved with, um, L Ron Hubbard. Yeah. 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 So, um, so one day I heard on the radio that he was, uh, at doing a, a record signing at uh, Oz records. And it was like right down the street from my house. So I went, you know, because he's a keyboard player. While I was there, his manager, uh, you know, talked to me. And I said, yeah, I'm in a band. We're playing tonight, so-and-so. Next thing you know, they're coming to our gig. You know, here comes Nicky Hopkins with his little manager guy who was one of these, you know, kind of guy. I go, oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But uh, they said, how would you like to go to Cayman Islands with Nicky Hopkins? And I was like, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Right. Come on. You could be his band. I'm like, okay. So long story short, we were, we did, we went, uh, it was a big record company convention type thing. Uh, we, we sat with the judge and Roseanne cash and all back then they were huge. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Okay. 
and um, it was you know we were his band. He he wrote no he didn't write he played the piano on "You Are So Beautiful to Me." Oh yeah, the song Joe Cocker sure did mm-hmm. like my favorite record in the whole world. Mm-hmm. He played on it, and um, you know Billy Preston wrote that song. I did not know that Billy yeah. Preston wrote a lot of stuff. What is yeah. all this? Yeah. yeah, and so you know I got to sing it while he played it, and and that was really all that came of that. It really is. All right, we'll come back. Uh, we'll continue the story of Kevin Derryberry when Rick and Bubba University. The podcast continues. All right, now Bubba, we got to talk about this. Uh, I love the name Moink. Did you see when they were on Shark Tank? You uh, know what? I didn't, yeah, but I've heard about it, and I want to see it. Well, they, they he, you know they bring out their bacon. If you've ever tried uh, the bacon from from Moink, you you will you will love it immediately because you know when when they brought it out and they get, they brought it out to the guys uh, on Shark Tank, they all were just like, "This is the this is the greatest." bacon that I have ever eaten. So that kind of, you know, that, that got them a lot of hype. And if you go right now, you can find out more. Uh, if you go to their website and join the Moink movement, go to Moink, M-O-I-N-K box.com slash Bubba. Here's what it is. They deliver grass-fed and grass-finished beef, lamb, uh, pastured pork and chicken, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and this comes directly to your door. Now, they work with family farms, helps them to become financially independent, Now, and, and, the, and animals are raised the way they should be, and the food you're eating is delicious, but it also is very high quality. Uh, now, we can get you a year. Now, what do you think about this? A year of filet mignon for free. And, and then you just put, pick out other meats you want delivered with your first box. Uh, and then you can change it how you want to do it every month, and you can cancel any time. But we'll give you filet mignon for a year if you'll go and join the Moink movement today. That's moinkbox.com slash Bubba right now. Get free filet mignon for a year. That's at moinkbox.com slash Bubba. All right, so we're back with Kevin Derryberry on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. So you're in Telluride now. You had this cool experience in the Cayman Islands. Birmingham tonight's doing great. Let me in tonight's getting airplay. Uh, that had to feel good the first time you hear your songs actually on the radio, not yeah. just did, audiences in a club here. Did, did yeah. that change the financial yeah, setup of the uh, band? Uh, yeah, we could ask for what we wanted at that point. Um, and everywhere you go, people knew you. Um, it was it was pretty incredible. It was nice, you know. Yep. Opening up for well, we y- y'all might have been there when we opened up for Charlie Daniels in yep. Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the beginning of the, the million mi- mile tour. The million mile yeah. tour. Yeah, we, yep. you know, we did a lot of incredible things. Pretty much everybody wanted us to play every frat party, every club. You know, at the beach, going, starting to travel down to uh, Key West and play at Sloppy Joe's, and we were we were working at least at least five days a week, if not six or seven. And sometimes twice a day. So, wow. so it, that's it, a lot of singing. It, it gets to a level, but but it never gets to that that next level. Yeah. But you're still doing it, and you guys, you know, I, I just remember that when you'd get close to something, it'd fall apart. Then you get back in the clubs, and it, then it gets close, and you. And I remember even just on a much smaller scale that happening to us, how frustrating mm-hmm. that could be. And then you get to the point where the money, playing all these gigs, everybody wants you to come to, is so good, you almost have to go broke to try to go hit it big, even bigger than what you were. Right. But tell us what happened with you spiritually during all this. Well, during all this, you know, there was a battle. Uh, you know, when you when you are a Christian and you stray, uh, there, there's still the Holy Spirit that lives in you. Yeah. And so every time you would, uh, you know, sin or, or uh, be disobedient to the Lord and his will— 
you would feel that that conviction um, and you would drown it. You would try to drown it out. Um, You would do, you know, just continue to party, surround yourself with people. Think about how how good everything is, how other people wish they could do this. Um, You know, you would be in relationships that probably didn't honor the Lord. Um, Continue to uh, sink deeper and deeper into alcohol and drugs, partially to drown the conviction and to make you, and then the next day when you would wake up, it would hit you again and you would have to do it all again. Um, and you would, you would think it's fun. You would think this is cool. Um, but it really wasn't. It was, it was, you know, destroying your life. Of course, your witness was gone at this point. You would have conversations with people along the way, spiritual conversations that you really couldn't back up with your testimony. Right. You know, people would, because I knew God was real. I knew Jesus was his son. I knew he died on the cross and was raised from the grave. I knew these things and believed these things, but I couldn't testify to these things because, yeah, right. Right. Look at you. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. If you believe all this, why are you acting like this? Amen. But, you know, because I was just chasing after a, you know, a, a dream that really wasn't part of God's plan for my life. He allowed it, but it wasn't the path that he wanted me to be on. And so there was a feeling of um, dissatisfaction. If I get to the next run, run you know, rung on the ladder, mm-hmm. maybe that's where it is. It's not there. Um, just And then finally the alcohol took its toll. And I was given six months to live by the doctor. Of course, mm. you know, I'm thinking, you know, I feel fine. You know, um, I don't miss work. You know, it, it isn't causing me to dysfunction, you right. know. How, how did you know that? What what caused you yeah, to what go made the you get in front of the doctor to, and him to, Well, I, I had some pain in my hip, and I just went to a doctor to see what it was. Uh, and they said, well, they asked me some questions about my lifestyle and Asked me about drinking and stuff, and I told him how much I drank. And he says, well, let's, you know, then they did some blood work, and the enzyme, liver enzymes were just tremendous. And uh, he said, my goodness, you have, before we deal with this issue, let's deal with this. And um, it was during that time when he told me that, I left, and I went, well, I've messed myself up. I've messed up. And I felt uh, in a way that I was so ashamed because, I didn't want to talk to my parents about it. I didn't want to turn to Jesus because I figure he's done with me. Right. And so I, uh, this was how I was going to die, you know. Um, I struggled to quit. My friends couldn't help me. They, they would try. They would say, we'll help you. But then, you know, they got bored with me because I was miserable to them. I was, yeah. They looked at me and thought, I don't want to be like that. Right. And I was still functioning, still going to work. I, and you couldn't look at me and tell. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, apparently the the tests don't lie. And eventually um, I just cried out to God. I said, when? How did that happen? Well, um, I struggled with trying to quit. You know, I'd, I'd quit and, you know, then have a massive, you know, failure. And, and then so one day I was just um, – you know, with, I visited my accountant, and it was all my accountant, one of the singers in one of my bands, 
and a guy that I live with all in the same day. I had a conversation with them and all of them, you know, as I shared with them what was going on, they said, well, I said, I'm just so, they said, well, turn to Jesus. I said, I'm too far away from Jesus. They Mm. said, you're not that far away. All three of them said that. Mm. And uh, the last one said it while I was driving in my car on the way to an engagement in Selma, Alabama, uh, where my parents live. And along about Montevallo, Alabama, uh, I was talking to him on the phone, and I told him, and he he said, I already know. He said, "Um, you know, God's got a plan for your life, Kevin, and this isn't it. I pulled off the road in Montevallo um, and just cried my brains out, and he, he just began to tell me how much Jesus loved me and um, that I am just running from him. And he began to pray and who, for and me. And who's telling you this? A friend of mine. A friend of you on yeah. the phone. Okay, I got you. Um, his name's Rick Reeder. Okay. And uh, so so as he was sharing this with me, um, and he knows where I've been because we used to share an apartment together, and um, his dad and my dad were really good friends and godly men. He was sharing this with me. I started remembering growing up in church and remembering all the the peace I had then, how I knew my parents loved me, the pastor loved me, the church loved me, Sunday school teacher, everything was going to be all right. And I just longed for that peace again. Amen. And so I just cried out to the Lord. And I said, I don't blame you, Father God, if you don't listen to me. But uh, I want to come home, and I'll do whatever you want me to do. And and that sincerity, you it was instantly heard. Yeah, I mean, it, it apparently it came. You know, God saw my heart. Yeah. And whether you can say the right things to God or not, right? You know, I said I don't blame you if you don't listen to me, but I need your help, and I don't know how I'm going to do this because I can't promise you I'm going to do anything because I can't keep a promise to you, mm-hmm. and you don't make deals. That's right. I said you want all of me or. You basically have none of me, but uh, apparently he was in pursuit of me, mm-hmm. and he allowed me to hit bottom. He allowed me to experience the results of the choices that I made, and I left him out of the decision-making, and ultimately I got what I wanted or what I asked for, and he allowed that to happen, to hit bottom and to cry out to him. All along, I got praying parents who are calling on their friends to pray for me. For 20 years, they prayed for me. I have a a guy that came up to me at a a Scott Dawson event and said, I went to First Baptist Church, and every Wednesday night, your parents would stand up and ask us to pray for Kevin. You're Kevin, aren't you? I Mm. said, yeah. He said, can I write your story? And I said, for who? He said, for the uh, Lifeway Christian Resources is a Sunday school curriculum that'll go out to 20,000 or more churches and Sunday school classes. So he wrote the story of Ralph and Eleanor and, and praying parents. And so in a way, my testimony is their mm-hmm. faithfulness. And, and they never came and debated you, argued with you, tried to, they just they just started praying for you. And they yeah. prayed and they yeah. prayed. 20 years they prayed. Yeah. And got others to oh, pray. Yeah. And, you know, they, somebody needs to hear that. That's why I'm making sure. Oh, yeah. We yeah. Understand I mean, that. They didn't give up on God, and and they loved me. They they didn't reject me. You know, they would actually from time to time come to the clubs to see me, just to let them let me know they still love me, 
and probably to check on me, see how I was doing. (laughs) And, you know, I was just, I was oblivious to, you know, uh, how I was probably breaking their heart. And uh, um, it was just totally, they didn't approve of my lifestyle, but they loved me. We'll come back and we'll finish, uh, talk about what Kevin Derberry is doing now when Rick and Bubba University, the podcast continues. So, Kevin, we... We hear the story. We hear the moment. So now things in your life have changed, and we don't have a tremendous amount of time left, unfortunately. Um, I got, let me, let me yeah, ask yeah, one thing. Yeah, sure. I, I, something you said, Kevin, I think people need to realize. Yeah. The difference in asking for forgiveness and asking for redemption. Yeah. Big difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, the redemption means ready to change direction. Mm-hmm. Don't just give me a pass, and I'm going to keep doing what right. I'm doing. Redemption by definition, is a complete 180-degree change, and you you were asking for that, and that's what you got. Mm -hmm. So you repented. Yeah, I I repented. I said, I I don't want to go this direction anymore. I want to follow you. I'll do whatever you want me to do, you know, and I think that was when God said, I can can work with this, you know. He's he's broken. He's sincere. Oh, it was... Was, and we we hear it in your voice. I yeah. mean, it's it's oh, yeah. it's different. I, I think so many times, and all of us, all mm-hmm. of us, we ask for forgiveness. Yeah. That means, man, I, I messed Get up. Get me out but, of this but, moment. But yeah. then yeah. then I head right back into the That's same right. trap oh, yeah. again. Yeah. You and, don't keep and, your promises. Yeah. yeah, redemption is getting on a different highway. Amen. <laughs> yeah, this was a thing where I knew everything was about to change. Uh, I was going to have to do make a lot of decisions, stop a lot of things. And I was more than willing to do that. But when you pray for redemption, I think God sometimes will, because we can't do it on our own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, to to get off of the road we're on, onto the road we need to be on, he can help. He can put the people in the place yep. mm-hmm. that we need to listen to. And sometimes it doesn't happen overnight. But, man, yeah. I could just hear it in your heart. And yeah. I know people listening to this could, too. Amen. Mm. So you you got to go tell the band. Yeah. Yeah. How was that? How did that go? Um, it was, for me, it was like, okay, this is what happened to me. You know, I was excited, you know, I I was like, oh my gosh, I just had an experience with the most high God who, who brought me peace that surpasses all understanding. He made me new as I prayed. I could sense his presence. I could sense the weight and the guilt lifted up and everything I read about him, and knew about him was happening to me, and I knew at that point he was real. So it didn't; it wasn't hard to go and tell everybody. That's and right. as a matter of fact, it was kind of obnoxious the way I told everybody, <laughs> you know. And they're going, "Okay, coming in hot, like you always say," you, co- you know. Yeah. And they were like, "Okay," in agreement that you needed this. Okay. And and you know, and so, but uh, you know. At first, they were kind of like, "Okay, that's cool, that's cool," and then, and then they got the point. Now, let chill out just a bit, you know. Yeah. Quit handing out tracks in the bars, <laughs> right. you know. You know that kind, of, and that's how I met my wife. I was handing out little uh, pamphlets in the bar that you know my testimony about how God changed my life, and she was sitting there at a dental convention. Yeah, and uh, I set it on their desk and left. And months later, I walked into her dentist office, and. Uh, they got me on that gas, and they said, "Will you go out with Connie?" I said, "Sure." Yeah. Amen. And how long y'all been married? Uh, uh, over twenty years. Yeah. You know? So, but you, but you, you did make a decision. We only got about five minutes, but you did make a decision that 
where you were now, you couldn't continue to be in a band doing this because I remember when we meet each other again, mm-hmm. you're now still singing and writing songs, but now they're songs of praise and worship to the one and only living God. There had to be a moment where you, you left. Yeah, we, we uh, me and the guitar player, we, we, we discussed it one day over the phone. I was praying. I said, God, I want to get out if it's your time. I said, but you got to. I got to figure out how to do it. You got to open that door. You got to. Yeah. And and the phone rang, and it was the, one of the guitar players, and we started talking about it, and we agreed to disband. And I hung up, and I was like, Oh my gosh, that was that was amazing. Yeah. But you know, they continued on after me doing you know reunions and stuff like that, and the original keyboard player came back. You oh know? yeah, right. But um, it was, it was bittersweet. Uh. They thought, hey, look, we'll we'll break up, but we'll also continue to do things. Well, you know, I agreed to do something one time, and, and I lost my peace, and I asked my dad about it, and he brought up the verse in Luke that said, he who puts his hand to the plow yeah, and looks back is not fit for service in the kingdom of God. And I was looking back, and that's where my peace left. And I said, well, I'm plowing ahead. Then I had to call them back and say, I can't do it. And that was tough, and it got a little bitter, but we've worked it out. You know, we, we're we're good, and, um, you know, but now, you know, God has opened so many doors, and I haven't looked for work or, or anything since the day he changed my heart in my car. I haven't picked up a phone. He has opened every single door, haven't filled out a resume, um, and you know some of the things I've God oh, has yeah. opened the door for me oh, to do, and oh, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, and this show is part of it. You know, well, you've been with us, and you know, you and uh, you came on with us when you had your first album out that was praise and worship songs. I still have it; it's one of my favorite albums. KevinDerryBerry.com, but also Kevin Derryberry Ministries. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just with a few minutes left, tell me some things. Uh, tell the audience some things you're doing now. Well, every Tuesday night since the pandemic, uh, we we're almost two years, uh, almost a hundred episodes. Seraphic Sound Studio. It's the name of my recording studio, and we do Seraphic Sound Studio live every Tuesday night at seven thirty. You can see it on my Facebook page or on my uh, YouTube channel, and just Kevin Derryberry, go to it. Go to KevinDerryberry.com and click and go to it. Uh, got a lot of events coming up. I go and speak and sing at places, doing one of your yeah, man we, events. We're just uh, going to start with the manchurch.com. We, we're, uh, he has agreed to join the team, so he's going out and doing some man churches for us, but you do incredible prison ministry as yep, well. Yep, and uh, do a thing called Safety Net to uh, provide Christmas and events for uh, kids who can't, teens who can't be placed in homes through DHR is a great ministry. We we provided Christmas for hundreds and hundreds of kids through the years, you know, like, you know, presents, their wish list. We raised money to do that and get people and facilitate that. Uh, got some things coming up. We got a, a event in Huntsville at Mount Zion Baptist Church on February 27th. Uh, Mineral Springs Baptist Church on March the Fourth, we got safety net coming up on the twelfth of March. Community Bible study on the seventeenth. We got the seventeenth annual Kevin Derryberry we, Golf Classic with real. That's that's April seventh uh, at Timberline, and it's still wide open. Come on, see the boys. 
Yeah, we'll eat be some there. Food. Yeah, we'll, we've done been partnering with you for many years, and I will say with what Adler, I think what about a minute left. I will say this: we always will be thankful for the day you walked back at the very first Fat Fest, <laughs> and it alerted us that the naked cowboy had gone had had gone off the deep end out there. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember coming back there? And I it, said, <laughs> I, I hate to be the voice of conviction, guys, but please. Do not let that man walk behind me when I'm presenting the gospel. <laughs> you know, when I'm trying to sing about Jesus, I don't need to see the the guy running half naked backstage. Right. And if you remember, three on a string agreed to be a buffer between you and the naked cowboy. Yeah, yeah. that was a that was a blessing. Yeah, yeah. But guys, well, I want to thank y'all. No, thank you. Y'all are a big part of what God is doing with Kevin Derry Ministries, and I hope that I, I, y'all feel I'm a a big part of what he's doing with Rick and Bubba. No doubt. Always. He's been with us for Always. years, and that's why we wanted you to be part of this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. And we thank all of you for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon.